Titus chapter 2. I'll read the chapter, pray, then you shall consider verse 15. Titus 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bone servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Let us pray. Lord, our Father, we come to you this evening. Thank you for your word, which is true, which is unchanging, which is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray that as we listen to it, may we indeed hear the voice of Christ. May your spirit who lives in us quicken us to hear what Christ has for us. And we pray, Lord, that as we hear, may it as well discern the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. We pray that this word may richly dwell in our hearts and help us that we will not merely be hearers of it, but also be doers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. People have various ideas on what a pastor should be. People have different views on what a pastor should do in his ministry. Some think that a pastor is a hired person who takes instruction from the congregation and 
they can ignore his instruction as they please. Some think of a pastor, someone who will tell them good things, nice messages, something that their itchy ears want to listen to. Someone who will build their self-esteem. Someone who will get them emotionally high on Sunday. Some look to the pastor as someone who will do all the thinking for them. Someone to sign their marriage certificate. Someone to sign their help application loan. These attitudes and a host of other opinions are not the work of a pastoral office. We need to ask ourselves this question. What is the work of a pastor? What is their work? How are the congregation to view them? How is the congregation to treat them? This passage in Titus chapter 2 verse 15, though not exhaustive, provides an insight into the work of a pastor. Titus 2.15 says, Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. You see, there are three imperatives there. Declare, exhort, rebuke. So that as you consider the work of a pastor, we should have a biblical expectation of what he's supposed to do. The congregation should be able to see from scripture and understand what the work of a pastor is. Or else, they will misunderstand what he's doing, isn't it? They will misunderstand why he's doing it. They will misunderstand his, his, his carrying out of his biblical task. They may even get offended with what the pastor does. And so this passage in Titus 2.15 gives us an insight and it focuses on the teaching ministry of the pastor. While his role is more than teaching, teaching is a major responsibility in his function. And the pastor ought to teach. And what is he to teach? How should the people ought, uh, response, respond? And so, as Paul is writing to Titus, Titus is in the island of Crete. And this island is filled with various false teachers. It's filled with human philosophies, myths. And Titus is told the content of his teaching, what he is supposed to teach. So, this, the sermon is titled, The Work of the pastor the work of, a, of the pastor and for those who are noting there are three things I'd like you to note the pastor must speak God's word to God's people, that's the first thing you're able to see there declare these things the pastor must speak God's word to God's people then secondly the pastor must teach, how should he teach by exhorting and rebuking with all authority. That's how you, you should teach. That's the second thing you see there. How should he teach? He should teach by exhorting and rebuking with all authority. And then thirdly and lastly, 
the pastor must not let God's people to disregard the word of God. The pastor must not let God's people to disregard the word of God. That's the last thing you see there. Let no one disregard you. And so the, we come to the first point. The pastor must speak God's word to God's people. What's, what, what is it that should make up the content of the message of that pastor? When you come to church, what is it that you should expect to hear from the mouth of your pastor? Notice verse 15, he says, declare these things. New American Standard Bible says, these things speak. What things? The things that he has set forth in the preceding chapter. These things, what is he referring to? You can say by a larger scope, he's referring to everything he's going to say in this letter. And there's a sense in which these instructions given to Titus limit the extent of Titus' ministry. That there are things that he should only focus on. He must make sure that whatever he proclaims is the truth of God's word and not his opinion. He must speak on the things that the word of God speaks about and nothing beyond that. Those are to be the contours of Titus' ministry. He's supposed to speak, to declare. What is he supposed to declare? Look at verse 1. He's supposed to declare, teach what accords with sound doctrine verse 1 of chapter 2 is to teach what occurs with sound doctrine he's supposed to teach the older men verse 2 to fulfill those Christian virtues he's supposed to teach older women verse 3 he's supposed to train young women sorry the older women are supposed to to, to, to train young, young women He's supposed to teach bond servants. He's supposed to teach masters. And so he goes on to, Paul goes on to describe what sound doctrine is, isn't it? When he says, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then from verse 2 to 14, he describes what sound doctrine is, isn't it? Titus is to preach to the various categories of people old men young women young, uh, old, old women young men servants and masters and in verse 11 to 14 paul summarizes that they should as well renounce ungodliness and worldly passions they should seek to live a holy life these are the things that titus ought to teach and so the pastor is to take the apostolic doctrine and instruction, is to teach it and apply it to the lives of various categories of people in his congregation in a detailed and specific way. Titus is not at liberty to preach whatever he pleases. It is specifically these things, declare these things. He should not preach more or less. He should only state what has been stated. The same instruction is given to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Paul writes, And what you have heard from me 
in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul told Timothy the same thing. You're not free to go out there and say whatever you want. The things that I told you are the precise things you have to go and teach others. Nothing more and nothing less. Every true pastor recognizes this. We cannot convey our own message. Our message is from the Bible. And nothing more and nothing less. Whatever Christ has declared, these things make up the pastor's message to his people. Jesus commands his, uh, his, apostles, uh, his disciples in Matthew 28, 19. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe what is sound doctrine. And so the apostles were, as well were not free to teach anything they wanted. The apostles were to take the teachings of Jesus Christ and teach to the people. No minister of God is authorized to teach anything else other than what Christ Jesus has taught. So the process of teaching biblical doctrine is extremely important because the penalties of it are severe. If you misrepresent the mind of God, the mind of Christ, you see in Deuteronomy 18 verse 20, God says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. In other words, if someone was to presume to represent the mind of God and he did it inaccurately in the Old Testament, he was to be put to death. Second Peter 2.1, Peter says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves sweet destruction. You see, the false teacher who misrepresents the mind of God to the people of God, Peter says, brings upon himself swift destruction. The penalties of misrepresenting God are very severe. And so the pastor must have the disposition of Prophet Micaiah in 1 Kings 22.14. He says, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. You remember in that context that there were 400 false prophets who falsely prophesied Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And they, tell, and they told them that they, they should go to war against Ramoth Gilead. And they did so because they wanted to please those kings. But we have this true prophet of God who says, I'll only speak what God says. I'll not speak something that is pleasing to your ear. Prophet Mikai was saying, even if the king wants me to speak something else, I can only speak the word of God. And that confirms that he was a true prophet. And so a pastor must make sure that whatever he teaches is what, in the, is, what is in the scriptures. 
the instruction given to pastors is that they must only teach what is in scripture what accords with sound doctrine second timothy 4 1 to 5 says i charge you in the presence of god and of christ jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching the substance of timothy's representation to his people were not his opinion or ideas or philosophy it was not something that seemed reasonable to him is to preach the word of god the whole word of god the whole counsel of god that is the totality of what he is to preach is to be aggressive whether it is it is convenient or not in season and out of season whether the circumstances are difficult or easy the word of god must be proclaimed and how is it to to proclaim it paul tells timothy to reprove to rebuke to exhort with complete patience and teaching you see When Paul tells Timothy to preach the word, he's saying the same thing as well to Titus, to declare these things, to speak out. And so the implications are very clear. The pastor is not to make political speeches. He's not to tell stories. He's not to offer his opinions. He's to open the word of God and let the word of God speak. He's to explain the meaning of the word of God. He's to explain the words in the scripture is to explain the doctrine of the bible and so when you should expect when you listen to a sermon that you'll have the bible explained to you you should expect nothing more than that nothing less than that the idea here of declaring simply means that the truth of the word of god is plainly told by mouth that's the idea there it has to do with teaching and it's not a one time thing it is a continuous thing and so paul is telling titus keep on speaking keep on declaring and so it is in the present imperative verb which is it's a command to continue teaching Notice as well that the manner of conveying this message is not by means of music, is not by means of drama, it's not by means of entertainment. It's by means of the word of mouth. That the gospel, that preaching involves proclamation. You see, today there are alternatives to preaching, isn't it? You go to church, there's music, there's drama, there's all kinds of art. But the passage here clearly says that preaching should be done by means of speech. Nothing else is a substitute for that. We have uh, a great chapter on, on preaching 
in Nehemiah chapter 8. If you could turn there. Nehemiah chapter 8. We have the nation of Israel. They are gathered together. And in verse 1 of Nehemiah 8 says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. And so the people were begging Ezra here, Bring God's book. And teach them God's law. Really, what a delight. What a delight for God's people to yearn, to be eager to hear God's word. And listen, verse 2. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they had on the first day of the seventh month. It means that everyone who was able to hear and understand, was there in the congregation. Verse 3, And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and women, and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And so he's reading out the word of God, and the people are paying attention. They are disciplining their minds to listen carefully to the word of God as it is being preached. Verse 4, And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform. This is like a, some kind of a pulpit that they had made for the purpose. And be, beside him stood so the names of those people. And some were, some were standing on his right and some were standing on his left. And there's a sense in which he's standing on something like a pulpit, and you have these people standing on his right, these people standing on his left, and these people had reverence for the word of God. So that when it was opened, they stood up in reverence, isn't it? To stand up is a show of respect, isn't it? When you go to court, what happens when the judge enters in? People stand up, isn't it? Isn't it? Same case, this was happening. The book of the law was opened and everyone stood up as a sign of respect. And Ezra verse 5 opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people and as he opened it, all the people stood. Verse 8 says they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And so the word of God was explained to them. It says there, they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. This is biblical preaching. They explained the meaning of the word. And this is what constitutes biblical preaching. The reading of the word, the explaining of the word, the applying of the word to people's life. This is the content of the pastor's preaching. When you go to church, you should expect your pastor to preach the word of God. You should expect them to explain to you the meaning of those words. 
You should expect them to apply the word of God in your life. This is what Titus is to strive to do by the grace of God. If the pastor is doing anything else than that, he's not being faithful in his calling and responsibility. Secondly, second point tells us how the pastor ought to teach. It tells us is to teach by exhorting and rebuking with all authority. That's the second point. And so this verse is describing to us how he is to teach. And the idea here is, uh, so, sorry, the, the, the verbs are in the present tense verbs. And so the pastors are not to simply teach for a while and stop. They are to teach continuously, repeatedly. They are to teach on an ongoing basis. And so the idea here is an ongoing continuous steady process what does it mean to exhort to exhort means to press home to press home with urgency and passion to entreat to beseech to admonish to exhort means to press up to the ear with the need for action that is the idea of Jairus in Luke chapter 8, verse 41 to 42, when Jairus was imploring Jesus Christ to come to his home because his, his daughter had died. His daughter was dying. He was pressing home the point with urgency, telling Jesus Christ, begging Christ to come. That's what the pastor ought to do. He should do so with urgency and passion. Because I tell you, the truth will never grip the people if it does not grip the pastor. And it's going to be shown in the life of the pastor if he preaches with eagerness, with passion, with urgency. Pastors are not to be called and lifeless in delivering the truth. This is not a matter of indifference. This is not a matter of little concern. Because this is the most important message in the world and it should be presented as such because it involves eternal life it involves life and death it involves the glory and honor of God and those things should bring passion to the pastor and that's the reason it should be pressed on they should be exhorted strongly people should be strongly urged to put these matters into practice second element has to do with rebuking. What does it mean to rebuke? To rebuke means to bring to light. It means to shame and disgrace. To rebuke means to correct someone in such a way that they are compelled to see and to admit their error. To show someone that they have done something wrong and summon them to repent. And Titus is told keep on reproving. Keep on rebuking. Keep on admonishing. In such a way that the person is convicted of his sin. In such a way that the person can admit their error. 
in such a way that someone can accept the truth. And it's to do so, he says there, with all authority. It's to do so with all authority. Titus was not to do it with his eloquence or charisma or cleverness. Where does authority come from? Authority comes from the word of God. When the word of God is rightly handled, faithfully preached, that's when there's authority. And pastors have an heavenly mandate from God himself to speak his word, exhort, rebuke with all authority. So it's not a matter of personal persuasion. It's not a matter of threat. It's not a matter of violence. It's not, the authority is not in the pastor. The authority is in the word of God. And so it's not his eloquence. It's not his charismatic figure. It's not his, his appeal. It is the word of God. And authority is exercised in the local church through teaching and correcting with God's word. And so the man of God must teach the word of God with all authority. This means that the preacher must not dodge the command or teaching that's not pleasing to him. He must teach the whole counsel of God because the word of God is living. It's active. It must be preached. Both the preacher, both the congregation are under the same authority, the authority of God. And all of us must obey God's word. So when you hear the word of God, it should challenge you to do something about it. You should be admonished to be a doer of the word and not simply the hearer. You see here that true preaching is a preaching with passion. It's a strong admonition that the congregation must act upon that message. They must do something about it. Sadly, when pastors meet, one of the first questions people ask you is, how large is, is your congregation? How many members do you have? I guess the first thing people should be asked is, are they declaring sound doctrine? Are they exhorting? Are they rebuking with all authority? And then thirdly, third point, the pastor must not let God's people to disregard the word of God. That's the last point. The pastor must not let God's people to disregard the word of God. Paul tells Timothy, let no one disregard you. Let no one disregard you. What does that mean? Does it mean that Titus is young, is new to the island, and that it could be taken for granted? Clearly, as we've seen, Crete was a very difficult place to preach, isn't it? Look at chapter 1, verse 10. It says that, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, 
especially those of the circumcision party. Crete was a place of drunkards, of insubordinate people. And the idea here of to disregard, to disregard means to, to willfully lack care and attention. To have no consideration. To ignore. To treat us unworthy of respect. To treat us as one lacking, uh, uh, to treat one as, as, as not worthy of attention. The idea here is Titus is is, is, is commanded that people should not think he should not let people think around him, think around the word of God he should not allow people to evade what the scriptures command him the idea here is stop letting others depreciate or despise what you're saying and they and that has implication in that it was happening, isn't it? Paul has a view that this was happening. And Paul's encouragement to Titus is preach the word of God with authority. No disobedience of this word should be tolerated, should be overlooked. Let no one think around you. Set the word of God as the standard. Let no one use his argument. Let no one use his own philosophy to think around you. But let the truth of God's word speak for itself. Titus was to conduct himself in such a manner that no one will think around him. That is, no one will disregard him. No one will bypass him. No one will ignore him. <clears throat> Paul is making the point here that there are people even today they will not be bold to reject the word of God but they will be bold to reject the preacher the pastor They'll be bold to disregard him. Yet in fact, what they are doing is they disregard the word of God. Titus is told here, let no one disregard you. Let no one think that what you're preaching is not what you're practicing. Those people often, they dodge the serious implications. They... they They'll not want to submit to the word of God. And so they find an excuse to attack the preacher. To attack God's messenger. Was this not what Jesus told the 72 when he was commissioning them? Jesus told them that if anyone rejects you, they reject me. And so it was not about Titus' personality or persuasion or his charisma. If they disregarded him it was because he was an ambassador of Jesus Christ and to disregard him was to disregard Jesus Christ and Titus as well on a human level was never to grow slack in his duty 
He must continue to do what he's been doing all along. As a young person, he should not he, he should not be timid. He should not be intimidated. When can people disregard the pastor, for instance? People will despise the pastor or the preacher when his life and his doctrine do not agree. People will disregard the pastor and the preacher when he delivers the message with half-heartedness. When he's not sure about it, he has no conviction about the truth. People will disregard him, isn't it? People will disregard him when it's evident that there's no pain, there's no labor in the preparation for his work. There's no effort. People will disregard him, isn't it? People will disregard him when he's saying that what this pastor is looking for is prominence to himself. It is to draw admiration. People will disregard him. When it is evident that this pastor is influenced by other motives other than God's glory. Paul, is, uh, Paul warns Timothy not to fall into such traps. Not to slack in his duty and responsibility. He should lead in such a way that no one disregards him. No one can get around him. He must urge God's word upon his people. He must not allow scriptural authority to be ignored. And in the event that the word of God is faithfully preached, but people decide to go their own way and live in ignorance and heresy and rebellion, if such people are members of a church, he should not disregard them. People must honor the authority of God's word. People must live in such a way that they renounce worldly passions and worldly lust. Because the word of God is the only authority that you have, brethren. Not our ideas, our opinions, our philosophies. They do not carry any authority. If it's not in the word of God, it has no authority. If the pastor preaches something that has no basis on the word of God, he has no authority to stand before you. A few applications. Number one, expect the word of God to be preached when you come to this church. When you come here, don't expect to hear anything else apart from the word of God. Don't come expecting to hear our opinion you should expect nothing else. You should settle for nothing less. If you do not come, if you do not hear the word of God from this church, do not come to this church. If you do not want to, if you do not want to hear God's word, do not come, because the word of God will be preached from this pulpit. Secondly, do not disregard. Biblical admonitions. Do not disregard rebukes of your pastor. 
Do not persist in your sins when you're exalted, when you're rebuked. God, don't get upset when your pastor rebukes you or admonishes you because that is what the word of God commands him to do, isn't it? And then lastly, if we are to be faithful believers, what is your relationship with the word of God? What is your relationship with the word of God? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this evening. This is a high calling to pastors that they ought to faithfully declare the word of truth in season and out of season. When it's easy and when it's difficult. When it's convenient, when it is inconvenient. We pray that you may Raise more laborers in our midst. Men who are burdened to see the gospel, who are burdened for the souls of those who are lost. Men who are convicted to stand up for the truth. We pray that you may continue to bless our worship this evening. For this we pray in Jesus' name.